This podcast of the Model Health Show is presented to you by Sean Stevenson with Rare Gym Productions. For more information, visit the SeanStevensonModel.com. Welcome to the Model Health Show. This is fitness and nutrition expert Sean Stevenson here with my beautiful, amazing, talented co-host and producer, Jade Harrell. What's up, Jade? What's up, Sean? <laughs> How are you today? Sean, today I am higher honest. Mm, that is I am compelling. Ast- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what is that? It's I'm astonished in my higher self. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's deep. Thank Taking you. us on a little trip. Yes. On your favorite rocket ship. Mm, fantastic voyage. Yes. Shout out to Coolio. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So everybody, I hope that you're having an amazing week. We're going to upgrade that in a big way. We've got an amazing show for you guys. This is a highly requested topic that we're going to be talking about today. And just want to give a special shout out to everybody who's been, you know, just sharing love out there on social media, tuning into the show. I truly do appreciate you guys. And I'm listening, Mm -hmm. you know, so today Mm -hmm. we're actually going to be talking about some of the big pros and really the big cons with consuming dairy. Mm-hmm. So we're going to be talking about the scary dairy. The scary dairy. And now again, we're coming at this from a scientific perspective okay. and also a real world perspective. And there are definitely some beneficial things there. You know, there's some value there or else it wouldn't be sticking around in society like it has. Mm-hmm. But we're just going to kind of totally open the veil and, and look at what's really going on behind the scenes. So it's going to be good stuff. Oh, but first, man. let's give a shout out to our show sponsor, Onnit.com. Yes. Head over to onnit.com forward slash model for 10% off all of your health and human performance supplements. I hope you guys are aware that you also get 10% off of the Hemp Force Protein. That's exclusive to the Model Health Show. You know, there are some other sponsorships out there with Onnit, but they're just getting the 10% off of the supplements. Mm-hmm. The Hemp Force is really considered in the food category. Right. And you also get 10% off of the Earth Grown Nutrients, which is a green superfood blend loaded with antioxidants, enzymes. You know, enzymes are biochemical catalysts. Basically, they, they enable your body to do everything that it does. Right. It's the kind of important. <laughs> but they get processed out of a lot of our foods. If enzymes are actually destroyed at around 118 degrees, upwards of 100% of the enzymes in your food. And enzymes are food enzymes, they're metabolic enzymes, they're digestive enzymes. If it's contained still in that food, it helps your body to process it without using a lot of its own energy. So this is why it's important to get like a green superfood blend in the mix. So definitely check out the Earth Grow Nutrients. I and like also mm-hmm. the Hemp Force Protein, the most bioavailable protein for the human body is going to be found in hemp. And it tastes good. Hemp Force tastes good. Yeah, yeah. be not, very specific. <laughs> not the random company X hemp protein. It might not taste so good. So head over there and check them out on it.com forward slash model. Now let's get into the iTunes review of the week. This is a sweet one too. Helping me focus on health, not just fitness. Five star rating from CP69112. I am blessed to have found this podcast a few weeks ago. I went from being a 230 pound teenager to 102 pound anorexic to bikini competitor to a binge eater. I have been through it all when it comes to overtraining, metabolic damage, and hormonal problems. Being in the fitness community, there's a lot of pressure to be lean and hardcore, when in reality, a lot of us are just suffering and living miserable lives. I'm breaking out of that stigma and focusing on my actual health instead of aesthetics. Sean and Jade are so personable and inspiring. I have learned so much about both the physical and mental aspects of true health. I'm using their guidelines and practices to help me feel good, look good, and be good. 
Thank you so much for all of the time and effort you put into this podcast. I absolutely love it. That is so powerful. So powerful. Thank you. I want to just send a special thank you right to your heart. Thank you so much for sharing that. And everybody, thank you so much for leaving these reviews on iTunes. It is, it's a game changer, you know, to be able to see that feedback and also to let other people know what you think of the Model Health Show. We Mm -hmm. truly do appreciate it. And I really love how specific to their lives and how personal we see our connection and impact. I understand this journey. Yeah. I lived it, not in specifics, but most definitely have been on that full roller coaster ride. I get yeah. it. So, well, we're turning this roller coaster ride into a full on <laughs> amusement park, you know. So, we've got an amazing show lined up for you guys today. Today, we're going to be talking about the pros and cons of dairy, of dairy products. And this is something where, in the traditional university setting that I went to, in a conventional nutrition course, I was taught that this was one of the four food groups. Mm-hmm. The dairy group. You need to make sure you get your servings of dairy each day in order for you to be healthy. It had a big layer on the food pyramid. Get your milk mustache on. (laughs) Got milk? Get that stash. (laughs) But the reality is this. According to the research, pasteurized cow's milk, and that's what you're going to be finding on the majority of store shelves. Pasteurized cow's milk is the number one allergic food in the United States. It has been associated with a number of symptoms and illnesses, including diarrhea, Cramps, bloating, gas, osteoporosis, arthritis, heart disease, cancer, recurrent ear infections, colic in infants and children, type 1 diabetes, which we're going to talk quite a bit about today, rheumatoid arthritis, infertility, leukemia, and autism. And there's all studies showing how it links to these things. And so, and of course, what we do here, we do bring a lot of education to the table, but I encourage you to do your education if any of those illnesses or symptoms jump out at you just do a little consultation with dr google (laughs) sit down with them say you know how does this connect how does dairy consumption or milk consumption connect with infertility for example sure but key thing you Mm -hmm. said if you experience symptoms and looking at your personal effect and results of your interaction with pasteurized milk that's what it's about so we'll start at the very top and talk about what is milk is it just milk or are we talking about dairy what is altogether? It? Dairy, but it comes from milk. Okay. Right? All, milk is the milk is the base product. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> what about cheese? You're slow to the game, but you got here. <laughs> what about cheese? So milk. Cottage or, cheese. So milk, <laughs> also known as mammal milk, and this is the white mm-hmm. fluid. It's a white liquid produced by the mammary glands of mammals. And this is the primary nutrition source for young mammals before they're able to digest other types of foods. This is what puts you in the category of actually being mammalian. You know, (laughs) so you, my dear, are mammalian. Proven. Five kids strong. And included in this milk in the early lactation is something called colostrum. And this is also known as the first milk. And this carries the mother's immune system factors like antibodies, for example, to its young, which can drastically reduce the risk of many illnesses. This is so important to understand how valuable and critical to our health breastfeeding is. And this really speaks to the value of milk. You know, this is important. This is our first food. It's nature's first food for all mammals. And without this, without this kind of immune formatting disc that we get downloaded with, we're setting up ourselves for a lot of potential problems later on in life. And milk, of course, also contains a lot of other key nutrients, you know, proteins, carbohydrates, vitamins and minerals and things of that nature. Now, as an agricultural product, milk is extracted from mammals during or soon after pregnancy 
and is used as food for humans. Humans first learned to regularly consume other mammals' milk, and this was following the domestication of animals during the Neolithic Revolution, also known as the development of agriculture. So this was around 10,000-ish years ago. And this is when we began kind of this husbandry, is what it's called, with animals. And somebody came up with, the, you know, I often say this, that humans have tried to eat everything. <laughs> everything, all the way from... Pineapple to Play-Doh, mm-hmm. you know, and <laughs> why you were you one of those kids? Yes, because it was good and salty. Oh, I knew it. I knew it. Sure enough. There's an old wives tale that mm-hmm. the Play-Doh stays in your system for like 30 years. Oh, my God. That's all. It's totally ridiculous. So, gum does. Gum, I'm making that up, too. Okay. <laughs> I know I ate a lot I was of feeling gum. real concerned. <laughs> yeah. So humans have tried to eat everything, mm-hmm. you know, everything under the sun, you know, everything from donuts to dung. You know, our awesome camera guy was just talking about how mail there's mail order. order poo. You can order poo via mail. Right. How and knew humans that? have tried to consume this stuff. And I even seen um, one of these survival shows. I think the guy's name is Bear something. You know, he was trying to show how you survive in this particular area. And he found some bear poo and he started rummaging through. And he's like, oh, here's this. Here's that. Yeah. And he, he bites it. And he's like, yeah, that tastes like bear poo. <laughs> yes, it, it does. So, but as I digress, humans have tried to consume everything and they figured out that we can get a viable nutrition source from this dairy product. So now it's important to really understand that all those thousands of years ago, the milk that humans were consuming is radically different from the milk that we're consuming today. The milk that you're seeing on store shelves, that you're seeing in the commercials and creating all the dairy products that we have access to is radically different. So the question is, when did the milk of yesteryear start to change? It was in 1863 that French chemist and biologist Louis Pasteur invented the pasteurization process. And this was a method of killing harmful bacteria in beverages and food products. Pasteurization was originally used as a way to prevent wine and beer from souring. Okay, so he he did this like on a weekend. He was like on vacation. Seriously, this was the story. He was on vacation. It was on a weekend. And he came up with this pasteurization process to find that sweet spot for getting his wine right. Right. Right? And then it just kind of carried over to the dairy process. Well, there's now, motivation there. The pasteurization process, just to talk a little bit about what that is, it entails heating the milk to a temperature of 145 degrees to 150 degrees Fahrenheit and keeping it there for at least half of an hour. And important thing to take away with that is that it completely changes the structure of the milk proteins. And this is something that's far from what the human body has evolved to consume. Okay. So what's important to understand is that when you pasteurize, you heat a liquid, a bodily fluid that has a certain chemical, biochemical structure, mm-hmm. you're going to start to damage and change and degrade certain things. Okay, sense. Proteins are going to coagulate. Minerals are going to be lost. They're going to change forms. It's not the same product anymore. Yeah. And the quote, the life force, you know, all of the life-giving nutrients are really changed. So milk is also often homogenized. So this is a treatment that, you know, with milk in its natural state, there's going to be where the cream rises to the top, right? And it separates from the milk. So you've got the cream at the top. So to prevent this from happening, so our milk is pretty when we see it in the store, the milk is pumped at high pressures through very, very narrow tubes. And this breaks up the fat globules through turbulence. And it basically takes that milk and just really squeezes the mess out of it. It really squeezes the life out of it to the degree that it's changed structurally, right? So that's homogenation. And again, this is like, 
if this is a life-giving living liquid that we're supposed to be consuming and we put it through this kind of harsh process, is it the best thing for you? Mm-hmm. So that's the, the first out. thing that kind of changed it from yesteryear is the processes of pasteurization and homogenation. The next thing is something called selective breeding. Mm-hmm. And this is where dairy cattle, such as the Holstein cows that we regularly, that's the vast majority of milk produced in the United States is coming from Holstein cows, and they've been bred selectively for increased milk production, right? And about 90% of the dairy cows in the United States and 85% in Great Britain are Holsteins. And other dairy cows in the United States include Brown Swiss, Guernsey, Jersey, and Dairy Shorthorn. Now, please understand, we as humans started to play around with this kind of manipulation, you know, selective breeding, so that we get the expression, the gene expression that we want out of our cows. What this led to was some really interesting mutations. Oh boy. So the types of protein, so now we get into the conversation, this is A1 versus A2 cows. A1 versus A2. The type of proteins in milk and the proportion of these different proteins vary depending on the breed of the cow and other types of animals as well, because there's also you know, goat milk. Humans, again, have tried to consume a lot of different <laughs> stuff. So we got goat milk, sheep milk, camel milk is a regularly consumed, yak milk, reindeer milk. Somebody is milking one of Santa's <laughs> reindeers. This uh, is a real thing humans that. are consuming wow. around the world, certain a nice percentage. Mm-hmm. And one of the major proteins that are found in cow's milk is casein. Mm-hmm. Casein. A lot of people know about casein. And the predominant variety is called beta casein. Now, here's where it gets interesting. Older breeds of cows, such as Jersey cows and Asian and African cows, they're called A2 cows, okay? And the beta casein contains an amino acid called proline, okay? It contains an amino acid called protein naturally. The newer breeds of cows, the Holstein cows, are known as A1 cows. And the proline has mutated into an amino acid called histidine, okay? Histidine. So there's been this mutation. This is very, very important. This mutation has been linked clinically to a variety of health issues. And the number one thing, we're going to talk more about this in just a moment, is neurological impairment, including autistic and schizophrenic changes. And this is due to the receptors in the brain, the opiate receptors in the brain, the impact that it has on that. Also linked to type 1 diabetes, autoimmune disease, and heart disease. Now, in patients with the casein antibodies, there was found to be a seven to eight times increase in the diagnosis of schizophrenia, okay? Wow. So people who are producing antibodies against this casein, mm-hmm. and they have similarly demonstrated a three to five times increased risk of bipolar disorder with these casein antibodies, okay? It's right there in the research. So literally consuming dairy, if your body's not wired up for it, you can start to have schizophrenic-like issues or bipolar conditions showing up because it is dramatically impacting your brain, and we're going to talk about why. So I could not have imagined that would be an after effect. This is like getting back to the whole point and the foundation mm-hmm. is the fact that this is a bodily fluid. It contains so much information, you know, and everything that you eat, every morsel of food, every bite that you take, food isn't just food, it's information. Mm-hmm. Milk is... And the, the things that you drink, it's not just a drink, it's information that you're sending to every cell in your body, mm-hmm. you know, and it's going to have an effect. Everything, sure. be it the Play-Doh or, <laughs> or a pineapple or yeah. your milk, right? Well, then that brings up a question then. So we're talking about bodily fluid, but then we eat 
Mm-hmm. They're made of animals as well. Mm-hmm. So yeah, this there, is this could be a possibility with mutations of and cross mutations of. Of course, of. you know, if the animal itself. So Period. let's just get this out of the way. When you're consuming milk, store bought conventional milk. This is milk all put into a giant vat, and you're probably getting milk from hundreds of, of cows yeah. at one time. So take that possible autoimmune response and multiply that times 100 right. because it's so much information your body's trying to process, mm-hmm. right? And here's the big kind of, this might be, I'm not trying to be like Don Downer, <laughs> and you're not trying to be Debbie Downer. Right. We're a couple. Donna. But after babyhood, you know, so humans, we have a, there's a certain enzyme that we produce as babies mm-hmm. called lactase that mm-hmm. helps us to digest the milk sugar lactose. And according to the research, about 75% of us on the globe after the ages of three to five, we lose that ability to process lactose. Mm-hmm. That enzymatic production goes away. Once we're weaned. Right. Mm-hmm. And it kind of just makes sense that that was for a certain period of time and it's all good. Now we move on to other food, you know, but... The thing about humans, we found a way to get some extra calories in and find another food source. And that's wonderful. It's helped us to survive, but not necessarily to thrive. That's right. And now that's really what we're bringing to the forefront today. So let's talk a little bit about the brain and addiction. Researchers have found that cheese contains trace amounts of morphine. What? Yes. Arguably oh the most addictive substance you're going to find out there. In, in 1981. And look at how people respond to cheese. In 1981, researchers discovered traces of chemical morphine, a highly addictive opiate. And again, we talked earlier about the opiate receptors connection with schizophrenia, bipolar disorder. It turns out that morphine in cow's milk and human milk is there in order to make that baby want to drink. Wow. It's programmed mm-hmm. via nature to make sure that that baby is going over there and getting its drink on so they can get strong and healthy and grow, right? Wow. It makes sense. It's it a good thing. It does, yeah. However, when you become a big baby, yeah. aka an adult, yeah. the stuff is still there. So researchers have also discovered that the protein casein, back again to casein, mm-hmm. breaks down into casomorphines. Casomorphines. And when it's digested, it also produces these interesting opiate effects. And Neil Bernard, MD, said, Since cheese is processed to express out all of the liquid, it's an incredibly concentrated source of casomorphines. You might call it dairy crack. (laughs) (laughs) Dairy dope. I couldn't believe that. Was that his quote? And then Steve was like, got any cheese (laughs) over in the corner, right? So cheese grummets. I never thought that I would hear a statement like that. Right. But again, it makes sense. Mm-hmm. People are just like, you know, I'll do this, I'll do this, but I'm not giving up dairy. Right. You know, I love cheese right. too much. Mm-hmm. So just talking about an addiction, there was a mm-hmm. New York Times article that stated that Americans now consume about 33 pounds of cheese each year. Person. Per person. Per person. Per 33 person. pounds. Oh, pounds of cheese. And this is, compare that to 1970, was 11 pounds. So it tripled, yeah. tripled the yeah. amount of cheese. And Everything's this is, I was cheese. just kind of looking around. I thought that this was interesting. Dirty Domino's. That's what we call Domino's Pizza. <laughs> you so they've changed, they changed their market. They're not Domino's Pizza anymore. Rather it's Domino's because we were more out. than just the pizza. Exactly. So Dirty Domino's. You're gambling every time you eat. They were hurting <laughs> just a few years ago in the marketplace. Domestic sales had fallen. And they did a big survey with their pizza chain. And they were tied, actually, for the worst tasting 
pizzas, which makes sense. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. they're not the best. It's dirty Domino's. Yeah. <laughs> you don't have a choice, right? <laughs> so and to help, deliver. an organization called Dairy Management teamed up with Domino's and developed a new line of pizzas with 40% more cheese. And this proceeded to devise this amazing plan and this huge makeover and consumers devoured Mm -hmm. the cheesier pizza and sales soared into the double digits for them. So like multiple percents, the sales skyrocketed because there was more cheese, more addiction, more yummy. So take me back to this dairy mafia company that said we're the cheese people and this is how you can (laughs) we're the cheese people we're gonna make sure that you get your profits and you can control this market with this cheese so this was the an organization called dairy management oh and again you know the the dairy (laughs) the dairy industry you know the lobbyists i mean this is a multi multi multi-billion dollar industry Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know and we're talking about somewhere in the ballpark of like 800 million tons of milk being produced a year like just create like you can't even fathom you well, know all the dope games are like that multi multi millions of dollars follow the cheese <laughs> right. i'm wearing you down laura <laughs> all right so that is the second way that this milk has changed from the milk of yesteryear the third way that i'm going to share with you guys is the hormones and antibiotics given to the cows oh boy So it's something called bovine growth hormone. Mm -hmm. It's like human growth hormone, but for cows, this is the natural form. But then there is something called recombinant bovine growth hormone. Mm -hmm. Okay. And this is synthetic. This is the synthetic version of it used by many dairy farmers to increase milk production. And it's been found to also, not just with that, but also to increase mastitis, which is an infection of the breast tissue. I can imagine. Okay? I was just going to say. Very, very high numbers of this stuff, but people don't hear about it, you know, because oh, it's deemed that the pasteurization process kills off any of the weird stuff coming from the cow whose ability to produce milk via their mammary glands, they're infected, mm-hmm. right? They're infected. And now the thing is, this doesn't go without issue and it, it can start to get really big and kind of scary. There was a recent news that came out, but a lot of people might've missed this, Rancho Veal Slaughterhouse in California, they actually recently recalled 8.7 million pounds of beef because they were under criminal investigation for killing and selling meat from dairy cows with cancer. And allegedly, the Rancho organization was buying up cows with a particular form of eye cancer and chopping off their heads so that the inspectors would not detect the disease and then illegally selling the meat. But then, of course, the experts come out and say, well, the cancer was not in the rest of the animal. So there's no effect. There's no worry for humans. And plus, if you cook the meat, Uh it will kill the cancer cells. Now, isn't that something that you want to know about? And again, it's not you are what you eat. It's you are what you eat Mm ate. You are what you eat ate. So if you're consuming animals that have been fed an abnormal diet and been pumped with hormones, synthetic hormones, and given antibiotics their entire life, what do you think it's going to do to you? Exactly. You know, it's not going to do nothing. Mm-hmm. It's not going to do nothing. It's not going to do nothing. That double negative was good. So it's right going to do something. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, this is really interesting stuff. And it's just starting to open our eyes and see really what's going on here. Because this is not just about your health, but also your family's health, the community's health. And we have to demand better. Mm-hmm. We have to demand better. Because... With us consuming certain foods, we know, especially being a part of the model health community, we know that it's going to impact our body if we're eating 
foods that were not designed for our body. Exactly. Right? So a cow is designed to eat grass. Mm-hmm. Not corn. That's what the cow is designed to eat. Mm-hmm. But now in order to fatten the cow quicker and to increase production of milk for certain animals, depending on what's going on with the cow, they're giving them things like corn mm-hmm. and soy mm-hmm. and these other things that a cow would not normally be consuming. And then let's not even get into the lifestyle, yeah. you know, the life of the cow. Is the cow actually out living a normal life, grazing and moving around? Or is this cow kind of shackled in an abnormal community or abnormal conditions where the cow has no part of a normal life? So even psychologically, you know, what about that kind of stress that you could be consuming on some form of fashion? Consuming stress, yes. Via these sick animals. That's right. So this is when the game really changed is these three particular things and included in the hormones and the antibiotics is also the abnormal diet. So let's go back and talk about some of these things that are related, according to the research, with these Holstein cows. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we talked about the impact on the brain, but I also mentioned type 1 diabetes and some other things. So let's talk a little bit about type 1 diabetes. Some research indicates that the protein in cow's milk are similar to proteins that control T-cell production called glycodiline 1. The baby's body attacks the foreign protein, the cow's protein, but then also attacks the glycodiline, leading to an overproduction of T-cells. And too many T-cells in the body directly lead to those T-cells destroying the beta cells, the beta cells in the pancreas. Okay, The beta cells in the pancreas are actually what produce insulin. So this is one of the hallmarks of type 1 diabetes and inability to actually produce insulin whereas type 2 diabetes is looking more like producing too much insulin and your body kind of shutting down that insulin sensitivity and that sounds like the catalyst or the trigger was indeed the milk so what led me to looking further into the situation of type 1 diabetes was the fact that the countries with the highest consumption of dairy products also had the highest rates of childhood diabetes or type 1 diabetes okay so the kids that were consuming the most dairy mm-hmm. were ending up with a higher rate of type 1 diabetes. And in our public school system, that is automatically served. Yes. Yeah. Automatic. I mean, every meal. And the show thus far has been pretty dark <laughs> with, the, with the dairy, but there is some light. There okay. are some benefits here, especially early in life, well, especially if you're drinking the milk that was designed for you, you know, but there's a lot of wonderful... Just to be straight, I just had a little piece of cheese on something the other day. How about that? You know, but it's definitely in the minority for me because personally, I get some, which we're going to talk about next, some kind of like weird digestive autoimmune distress when I consume a little bit too much dairy for sure. Mm -hmm. So let's talk a little bit about that now. Let's talk about autoimmunity. A milk protein allergy is an autoimmune disorder that causes you to produce antibodies against the proteins in the milk. And there are potentially other structures in your body that look similar to the proteins that are found in the milk. So your body will thus start to attack your own tissue. Mm -hmm. And this is called molecular mimicry, right? So symptoms can include everything from digestive distress to skin issues to breathing problems to severe allergy and can even cause life-threatening anaphylaxis, for example, all right? So this is when you're like, you go into a shock and your breathing gets shut down and you can die. And this happens. This kind of thing happens. It's rare, but it can happen. Most of the symptoms for autoimmunity with dairy are very subtle. But one of the big ones is skin many. issues. Yeah, but there are many. And that's tied to the hormone function. Mm-hmm. 
And Dr. Frank Lipman actually noted that there are over 60 hormones in a glass of milk. And again, if this is coming from one cow, 60 hormones, but then Mm -hmm. we get the all those other cows involved are going to be variations Mm -hmm. because no two people or no two cows are the same. So there's got to be a ton of mutations with that. Then your skin is a big indicator of what's going on with your hormone function. Mm -hmm. Okay, you really wear it on your skin. And we did a show really diving into skin health, which we'll put that in the show notes. It's a must here for sure. It It really broke down even what your skin is and how it's produced and how to radically improve the health of your skin. But one of the big telltale signs, you know, when I see somebody, you know, back in the day when I was working at my clinic, if they came in with acne or something of that nature, definitely knew that if we pull dairy out, we're going to have a good chance of getting a nice percentage of improvement right off the bat. You'll see it up top. Mm-hmm. So when I actually tell the story in that episode about this kid at the university, <laughs> and it's a really beautiful story. So, but anyways, Dr. Frank Lipman also said the process of pasteurization eliminates many of the beneficial components of milk and the homogenization creates fats that are foreign to most human digestive systems. And then somebody went on to say, and then just to affirm this, the education director at Dermalogica Global, Annette King, agrees that hormones in milk could definitely lead to more acne. Our poor body doesn't know what to do with all that cow soup. Cow soup. Mm -hmm. It sounds like like some kind of a talk show. (laughs) Moo? Oh, God. All right. So to move on, just to give a little bit more about this and the autoimmunity Medical doctor Michael Clapper said that milk proteins, especially casein in dairy products, have a higher likelihood of setting off adverse reaction in the joints. So rheumatoid arthritis is one of the big players here that could be potentially exacerbated by consuming dairy. Oh, no. All right. So, again, there's research to back this up. But some people could drink dairy your whole life and ski until you're 120 and it's no problem, (laughs) you know, but if you've got issues with this stuff, you Mm -hmm. might want to look at what your diet looks like and possibly the impact that dairy might be having on your body. And so here's why this is so important too, when we're talking about the joints, because this is a reason that a lot of people will consume dairy. Right. Exactly. You know, got to have strong, healthy bones. bones When in fact, the research actually indicates that individuals who consume the most dairy have weaker bones have lower bone density than people who don't consume dairy. Oh so here's the truth, if you're ready for it. I am. You I can, can. I can handle and, the truth. All right. So calcium is one of the things people commonly think of with the bone health. Mm-hmm. And calcium is actually, an, it's an end product. It's an end product. It's something that your bones eventually show or demonstrate is there's a high ratio of calcium there. But calcium doesn't necessarily create calcium in your body. If you're consuming calcium in your food, for example, or you're taking a calcium supplement, and we've talked about this on past shows as well, that individuals who take calcium supplements have been found to have about a 30% increase in incidence of heart attacks mm-hmm. by consuming these calcium supplements. So what's up with that? Calcification. Yeah. Because you're consuming an end product. Your body didn't get to process and do something with it like you get from natural foods. But more so, there are things like silica, magnesium, that are really important. These two things can biologically transmutate and create more or become more help to aid in the production and the utilization of calcium in your body, especially magnesium, especially magnesium. We just did a great show with Ian Clark talking about magnesium, the importance of that not too long ago and the clinically proven effect that it has on your bone density. So powerful. You got to put that. So we've been a little bit bamboozled when it comes to talking about calcium and the need for calcium through milk, which Absolutely. Milk in nature, raw milk, before it's 
pasteurized, homogenized, nice whack of calcium you can get there, right? However, when those processes happen, pasteurization, the uh, homogenizing of the milk, it changes the structure of that calcium. It's no longer as bioavailable. And now your body's a stressor to try to process it. And it can lead to some of the things that we've been talking about today. And then you're still talking about, you know, be a goat soup or sheep soup if you're getting raw milk from a plant, an organization that has a big processing facility to bottle it up. And no soup for you. No <laughs> Do you remember on Jerry Seinfeld? Yeah. Let's just keep it going. So another one to talk about here briefly, and we did an entire show dedicated to this, is asthma. Mm-hmm. You know, so issues with asthma and asthma-related things, so allergies, eczema, things like that. So, and we'll put that in the show notes as well. Mm-hmm. And pasteurized dairy is probably one of the most potentially dangerous and highly reactive things that somebody with asthma can consume. And what it leads to is increase in mucus production. Okay. And our body's producing about a liter of mucus every day. It's a protective thing, but this creates an overproduction. This happens due to a response from inflammation. Right. Okay. But on that note, this is where the conversation changes a little bit. Mm-hmm. A 2006 study published in the Journal of Allergy and Clinical Immunology found that children who drank raw milk, so unpasteurized, unhomogenized milk, had significantly less instances of asthma, eczema, and hay fever than those children who drank pasteurized milk. Raw milk cut histamine by more than 50%. There you go. Okay. And so, you talk about histamines a lot in that episode as well. Yeah. And people can check out and put this in the, in the resources, realmilk.com. You can get some more information on the benefits of raw milk. But if this is something that's really a passion for you and it feels good for your body, you might want to just consider looking into raw milk and then treating it a certain way. If you're concerned about any type of microbes or something like that, you can do stuff a little bit more intelligently and not be dealing with some of the potential autoimmune issues, among other things that you'd be finding in the pasteurized milk. So now let's talk a little bit about dairy and potential weight gain, mm-hmm. right? So the purpose of dairy from a cow is to increase the size of that baby cow, <laughs> right? Yeah. And that's what it's for. Yeah. And baby cows are pretty, you know, they're big and wide animals. And it's a classic thing, you know, there's a, something out there in the bodybuilding community of a gallon of milk a day and right. also in the athlete community of a gallon of milk a day to put on size and strength. I never heard and that. And it definitely works. I'm but sure. the type of size and strength you put on is questionable. Sure. And then again, all of the potential health issues that come along with that, that we as humans, we're very powerful. We can fight through, you know. So here's one of the big issues is that dairy, we kind of commonly think of it as a, like we're getting a lot of protein. It's really more of a stronger carbohydrate-based food. Right. And carbohydrates drive the function of insulin, drive the release of insulin. Okay, And insulin is your body's fat storing hormone. So here's the ratio of the milk sugar. So let's take a look at whole milk. Mm -hmm. So whole milk is actually 30 percent carbs, 49 percent fats and 21 percent protein. Okay, so carbs and fat predominant. Then we look at what a lot of people, including myself, when I was eating healthier, Mm -hmm. 1% 1% milk. Yes. This is low-fat milk that they use to make a lot of products and low-fat cheeses mm-hmm. and fat-free, this and that. So now we're looking at 46% carbohydrates, 20% fats, and 34% protein. Okay, So the protein ratio goes up a little bit, but so does the carbohydrates. It and it's, it's going to be a carbohydrate-dominant food now. Same case Once for Once you skim. press the fat out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's the same thing. So mm-hmm. 
we think that we're doing better. Right. But we're actually <laughs> driving the response of our body. Skim milk. Mm-hmm. Right. Your results are going to be skim. Mm-hmm. Do you remember? We used to get that for free because, you know, we, you know, just growing up in a situation, we are on wick. Yep. Right. And so we'd get the free milk and oftentimes it would be the skim milk. We'd get that too. And it's just like water. I was just mad looking at my bowl of cereal. I could see the cereal too well through the milk. You know, the waters weren't murky (laughs) enough. You know, but (laughs) we did what we had to do. Hey, I understand that one. It was a treat. We thought when we'd get the red carton. The, right. The, right. The vitamin D whole added, milk. whole pasteurized, homogenized. We thought, yeah. So <laughs> the weight gain effect. So looking at the driving force of insulin with it being a carbohydrate dominant food, also the inflammation. Okay. Sometimes the weight that you're carrying is just inflammation, mm-hmm. puffiness. Your body's holding on to fluid to protect you. It's like buffer. It's too hot inside. Right. And it's being driven by all of these kind of just crazy fireworks going off in your body due to the consumption of this kind of abnormal food. All right, so inflammation. Another thing is IGF-1, so insulin-like growth factor. And this can be done, this is one of the big reasons why this can be tied to bodybuilding and getting bigger, right? Insulin-like growth factor is a driver of growth, okay? So it's also tied to cancer, Mm -hmm. So there's pros and cons to IGF-1. Sure. But when you're consuming dairy, more of the IGF-1 is going to be operating in your body and it could turn out not the best for you. It could. All right. So those are some of the things that drive weight gain. So now that we've gotten through the dark ages, <laughs> All the now cons. let's talk about some of the things that we can do about this. Number one is obviously looking into raw milk, right? And raw milk cheeses, making your own yogurts and things of that nature. So you're not taking the milk, killing it. And then trying to bring it back to life Mm -hmm. with some bacteria, right? (laughs) So just doing stuff a little bit smarter. If you're going to consume dairy, get higher quality stuff. Really simple. It can help with a lot of the stuff. But some people, you might just feel like a billion dollars if you get off of the dairy. Just give yourself 21 days. And that's what we do in my program, The Fat Loss Code. Mm -hmm. So if you guys know about that, it's at thefatlosscode.com. And that's what we do, 21 days. And it can be incredible. And one of the things, though, for a lot of people is that initial addiction yeah right because the opiate receptors in your brain are calling for you hey mm-hmm. oh they're not even that nice uh, where my cheese, cheese? <laughs> where my cheese who got my cheese <laughs> i pity the fool right. that got my you cheese, got my cheese. <laughs> so your brain and your nervous system is wired up for consuming this food you know especially if you're doing it on a regular basis you know it might be that daily latte or whatever it is and it's like i just gotta gotta have it so but this is why in the program we stack the conditions in your favor so that you're too busy feeling better and enjoying yourself to notice that hey but if you just go cold turkey yeah food turkey (laughs) and just try and cut away the dairy without increasing your nutrition then it might be a little bit of a struggle So that's the first thing is to look towards real milk, right? So look towards unpasteurized, unhomogenized milk as an alternative. Better approach, in my opinion, is to look to other food sources to get the stuff that we think we're getting from dairy, but you're really not anyways. (laughs) Right. So in a comparison of the calcium content in food, let's look at kale. Everybody's all about the kale now. Kale is popping. Kale nation. (laughs) So... Kale is loaded with about 90 milligrams of calcium. So a 3.5 cup of kale salad provides even more than one glass of milk. Okay. A one cup glass of milk, just 3.5 cup 
kale salad. That's reasonable. You know? Yeah, exactly. I mean, so easily managed. And all the and other benefits that you're getting with the kale. Right. Right? The micronutrients, the microminerals, phytonutrients, enzymes, all that good stuff. The chlorophyll, the magnesium. And it you're winning. tastes amazing. Amazing. I love it. So any Does of the green any of, of the green leafy vegetables, okay. period, you're going to be getting a nice amount of calcium in those foods. And then outside of the kind of green veggie world, then we look at the nuts and seeds. There's a nice amount of calcium there as well. So sesame seeds in particular, one ounce of sesame seeds is loaded with 280 milligrams of calcium. Okay. So there you have it. It's really really that simple. I'm really surprised. So here are some of the milk and dairy alternatives. And so for me, that was the thing that was really keeping me from experiencing true vitality. You know, after I recovered from my condition with my spine, this de- uh, degenerative spinal condition that was supposed to be uncurable, mm-hmm. right? It's supposed to be this incurable condition after regenerating the tissue, getting the proof, you know, with the scans of my back and just seeing what's possible by giving your body the opportunity to do what it knows how to do. I still had these allergies and hay fever I'd get every year. And it was really frustrating because it's like, I'm doing all this stuff right. Yeah. But I was drinking this pasteurized mm-hmm. organic hey. milk Every night with my high fiber cereal. Oh yeah, <laughs> right. So I was eating was my doing I was eating my grandpa cereal mm-hmm. and drinking my organic milk. And really, even just shortly after having it, I can feel that increase in the mucus, just even in my throat and oh, yeah. in my in my saliva. And it just like, but my body's giving me the feedback, but I wasn't listening. Sure. And even now, uh, more so. Now that I've been away for so long, almost instantly, if I slip up, mm-hmm. slip up. <laughs> I don't know where that ice cream cone came from, <laughs> but I can feel it all in my head, my yeah. sinuses, and mm-hmm. it's, it's awful. Yeah, powerful. Well, it's I'm, powerful I'm grateful stuff. for yeah. that condition, you know, for that awareness and sensitivity that has now become a regular part of my life. But yeah. you most certainly can tell now. Yeah. Yeah. Higher set. <laughs> So at the time, though, I didn't know that there was another option, Mm -hmm. whereas today you kind of got to be blind to not see all the different options, dairy alternatives that are out there. But at Mm -hmm. the time, so this was 10 years ago. This is 10 years ago. And I didn't know that there was something else that you could do. But my amazing mother-in-law made me some almond milk. Yeah, She makes it too. With the Vitamix. And, you know, Mm -hmm. she did the whole thing. had some fresh vanilla in there. And I drank it. I'm just like. Yeah, I couldn't because at first I'm just like, oh, uh, right. so you can milk an almond, <laughs> right? So okay, but I tried it and it's just like, almonds get and I literally I said this I was like, I get to have this, <laughs> this I'm good, right, right. and that's when I put the dairy to rest, and that's I've never had an incidence of hay fever, allergies, any kind of weird stuff like that ever since. In like it's almost mm-hmm. ten years now, mm-hmm. and I grew up having asthma. And having seasonal allergies. And it's just been gone. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. She laughs at me because I say, I could live like this. I could live like this. Because <laughs> <laughs> you amazing. really can. You yeah. can live like this. Yeah. And you can live with it. So you can obviously, top choices to make your own stuff. Mm-hmm. But then there's a bunch of wonderful store-bought options. And they're becoming more and more conscious of the way they're doing it. So there's the almond milk is my favorite. Rice milk is a little bit higher glycemic. Mm-hmm. But that's another option. And it's potentially higher glycemic than dairy milk. So coconut. there's rice milk, coconut milk, mm-hmm. hemp milk. There's flax milk. There's all these different varieties out there. But, you know, like I said, cashew milk. Mm-hmm. We've made all kinds of variations of milks. We've How like, is that? We've made like a cashew almond pumpkin seed milk before. 
So I was using these as wow. bases for making other drinks, for like making chocolate milks and things like that. <laughs> so I played around with a lot of this stuff. But my kind of just go-to now consistent is almond milk if mm-hmm. I ever have it. Mm-hmm. So that's as far as the milk goes. Now, what about... Butter. Got any cheese? <laughs> what about cheese. that? So Help us with the cheese. The cheese is... That's a complicated one right there. There are some books out there that actually show you how to make nut cheeses. And they're actually, when I travel, you know, especially places like California, Austin has a huge food scene there. They had some of these cheeses. Like there was a cashew cheese in the store. How was it? That it was great. I threw it. I I got this uh, like taco bowl from there and I threw some on there. It's like, it was really good. Does it melt and all that? No, it was like, it was like in a, it looked like hummus. Okay. Okay. So, but then also in the past episode that we did recently talking about 15 ways, delicious Mm -hmm. ways to add superfoods to your meals, the sour sour cream, cream. right? So you can make a fantastic killer sour cream that everybody's going to love. And its base is cashew. And by the way, again, I'm not one of those guys that's going to lie to myself when I'm eating something that's an alternative. It's like, this is so good. (laughs) I was like, no, that's not good. It's not even close. (laughs) Right. The sour cream, it's phenomenal. Yeah. It's yeah. phenomenal. Ever since you mentioned it, I went back in my book and I got it. And I've been making, eating it ever since. We've had the raw awesome. food tacos like every, twice a week. Awesome. They're go-to with the sour cream. So if you guys want to get access to those recipes, that recipe book that we talked about on that past episode, you can head over to themodelhealthshow.com forward slash superfoods. All right. So head over there and check that out. Okay. So we talked about the milk and the cheese no. what about butter butter butter, butter. so R- what i K. found so there's a really we all have really easy access to higher quality butter and butter tends to not have as many of the kind of allergic response that the other stuff has hmm. because a lot of the proteins are not present okay so make sure you get grass fed so carry gold is super popular company there's some other companies out there so is it, are they pasteurized even though they're grass fed yes butter. so that's the issue but you can you know connecting with local farmers, or depending on what state you live in, you can get access to real milk butter, Yeah. right? But something for me, so even butter will bother me a little bit. And so for me, I use ghee, all right? So the clarified butter, Mm -hmm. and that's even, there might be a few scragglers that sneak in there as far as proteins, but it's really just pure goodness, pure goodness of the the milk fat. Protein-free butter. Clarified butter. And- it's really important to realize it's also shelf stable. So it probably is not in the cold section of your grocery store. Right. This is I something like that's going to be in the maybe the uh, international food section of your store. So mm-hmm. uh, if you've got a problem with butter even, maybe you might want to try out ghee. But and again, I don't use it regularly because, you know, still just dairy. I'm just going to be careful. But for me, another thing that we would be using butter for, for example, is like cooking our absolutely. food. Absolutely. I use right? it for cooking and it's got a great taste. Yeah, it absolutely does. Ghee mm-hmm. as well. You can use ghee for cooking because it's a high saturation. So it's stable at high temperatures. Mm-hmm. But another alternative to that is using coconut oil. Oh, yeah. Right. Coconut oil. Everybody has probably got the memo now about the benefits of coconut <laughs> oil. So we're going to say that for another time. But that's great for another alternative. Now let's talk about yogurt. Yes. Yogurt. And this is something really simple is making yogurt with coconuts, Mm -hmm. young coconuts. You can scoop out that meat. You know, you can use the coconut water to make kefir, something that also dairy is made from, to get your good, healthy flora. You know, so the probiotics idea in dairy products is a great idea. So... You can make your own kefir, mm-hmm. just getting a, a kefir starter. I've even that made- was one of the first lessons you taught us. Yeah, mm-hmm. I've even made 
coconut kefir just opening up a couple capsules of like acidophilus that I got from probiotic, you know, like from the store. Oh, wow. And just letting it sit. And so the coconut yogurt, you just scoop out the meat, put in a blender, add a little bit of water, put the culture starter in there, blend it up and let it culture. Mm -hmm. It's really that simple. And then you can add your own little berries or little honey or whatever it is that you want to make your yogurt taste good. But it's another good alternative. And they've got so many out there now, different variations. They've got the almond milk yogurts and things like that. There's a lot of stuff that you can try to help to get yourself off of this stuff. And the last thing we got to talk about, what about ice cream though? Oh, did you have to? What about ice cream though? You got to help us with that one. This one? I'm not saying that I'm never going to eat ice cream again, (laughs) you know, it's one of those things again, where you go with what is going to feel good for you, you you know, but if you, you if it's going to totally mess you you up, then, you know, just don't order, don't order stuff there. But now, you know, there's all these different variations of ice creams as well with made with almond milk and coconut milk. So it's coconut ice cream Mm -hmm. and we have an actual, we have an ice cream maker and it's super cheap. They're like, you can get some, they're like 15, $20. And you can throw in, so using almond milk yeah. and you can throw in, you know, whatever fruit you're into and it'll just turn that stuff into ice cream. Okay. You know, it's really amazing. And my wife actually made some, what kind of ice cream was it? It was like some cashew coconut ice cream nice. and people flipped out over this. It was over a holiday yeah. and people were coming back for seconds of the ice cream. I was like, oh, okay. Cause I was avoiding it a little bit at first. <laughs> so I went and had some, I was like, this is really good. So good. Yeah. You know, so. Mm, note to There's self, alternatives for ice cream as well. But part of the reason that people go for the ice cream is the queso morphines, right? We're getting that kind of oh, like yeah, sure. brain switch and the sweetness and the fatty. So that's one of the things that, you know, you might be breaking an addiction by going to an alternative for ice cream. Mm-hmm. So, but if you want to have your ice cream and you're doing a lot of other things right in your life, this isn't about being just crazy, ridiculous about this stuff. It's about being educated. And yeah. that's what I really hope to provide you guys with today is just the bigger picture about what's going on with dairy and the dairy industry so that you can make a more educated decision. Right. So thank you so much for tuning into the show today. I hope that you got a lot of value out of this. We got so much more good stuff in store for you guys coming real soon. Take care and I'll talk with you soon. And make sure for more after the show, you head over to theshawnstevensonmodel.com. That's where you can find the show notes. And if you got any questions or comments, make sure to let me know. And please head over to iTunes and give us a five-star rating and let everybody know that our show is awesome and you're loving it. And I read all the comments, so please leave me a comment there. And take care, everybody. promise to keep giving you more powerful, empowering, great content to help transform your life. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening.